it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Numbers of what brought me here. As it appears, they've brought you. Since that time, I've lost everything. Everyone I cared about. So yes, I suppose you're right. They are cursed. Thank you. You have no idea how long I've been waiting for someone to agree with me. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome, Survivors, into this episode 10 of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. From the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. From Podcastica, I am Kristen Howe. And we're back to talk about another episode into our uh, in our weekly format. This is week two of our weekly format, and I'm excited to keep doing this this way. I like it because we've hit double digits. We're we're both hands now. Yeah. For episodes. And both hands on the wheel as far as stories going, man, because we're getting into it at this point. Hang on to your boots, everybody. <laughs> we're plowing ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, no, a lot of great feedback last week, too, from the fact that we're weekly and the fact that we're incorporating Manifest into the podcast with the, uh, with the Manifest Minutes. I just finished... Uh, Last week's episode, uh, or this week's episode, right? What's today? Whatever. <laughs> I just finished this week's episode about 10 minutes ago, so I'm still kind of like on fire from that episode. Yeah. So I'm excited funny, to talk about it later. Funny story <laughs> about <laughs> that. Uh, we are we actually had to delay our podcast recording until later in the day because one of the two of us completely forgot to watch Manifest before we started recording. And uh, me being the professional that I am, I gave uh, Ben the extra time needed for his lazy ass. <laughs> oh, nice try there, miss. <laughs> it was me. It was Kristen <laughs> it who was forgot me. to watch Manifest earlier. I actually forgot how to do I, – I actually forgot a lot of stuff today. So <laughs> Yeah. That's all right, though. You You've had a lot. Without going into too much detail, you have had a lot happen in your life uh, over the course of the last 24, 24 hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but good stuff this yeah, time. All good stuff. All, yeah. all great <laughs> stuff. And I'm, uh, I couldn't be before you. And it's your clumsiness and your miss, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Now I can't even think of it. My brain fartiness. Yeah. Is forgiven because of that. My- my my brain flatulence. <laughs> brain flatulence. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, as we mentioned, we're moving forward and we're full speed ahead into the rest of this season one. Uh, as this week we talk about episode 18 numbers, which it's, it's going to be interesting. I watched the episode twice because we're, we're going to dive into it with our top three. And I think 
we're we're going to go top five once we hit the season finale, and then forward we'll we'll change it to top five. Because uh, I know we've had one or two of our friends who who listen say like, we want you to do top five, and we're like, yep, yeah, we're going to. <laughs> we're we're trying to transition. Relax. And uh, I didn't sound like such a dick though when I said it to them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but you did to like everybody else. So <laughs> <laughs> no, they were the only ones that said it. But it's. <laughs> It, this is going to be an interesting one for me because whereas I usually have almost a full page of notes, this episode is very key, not just to the rest of the season, but to the rest of the series. And there is major importance to this episode, but I really don't have a lot of bullet points in my notes because with as much as important as it is, the episode is still pretty straightforward. At least in my opinion. I could be totally off the mark as far as what your notes go. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> I'm right. a note. I, I, I like notes. You're a note-taking <laughs> fool. I am. Or a note-taking fiend. One day I'll post a picture of my little notebook. <laughs> Just think about Yvette Nicole Brown when she's on the Talking Dead couch and you're like kind of almost there. Oh, sorry. I was taking the drink. Wow. <laughs> um, yep. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can only imagine what your little lost notebook looks like. And uh, one of these days we'll have to, we'll put that in our podcastica next level podcasting hall of fame. Oh, yeah. We'll sell it to charity for five cents. <laughs> I was going to say five dollars. <laughs> five dollars. I'd be like, woo. <laughs> Man, there's some lost fanatics out there. You never know. Who, who yeah. might get that? Yeah. So, I, and hey, man, there's another lost fanatic that I know you, I, and um, Jason, the our head honcho over at Podcastica, uh, know that I'm going to work on trying to get on this podcast because he is probably the biggest lost fanatic I've I've ever heard of. Oh, cool. So we'll talk about that later. How about if we talk about the episode? Yes, let's do that. So, cool, man. Um, one, we're just, as we mentioned, we're back to, we're to the weekly format. Only one episode of the show we're going to be covering per podcast. And this is a spoiler full podcast. So you will be hearing spoilers, not just of the episode, but of the future of the series as well. Uh, so that being said, let's jump into things with our top three. And Kristen, we'll kick it off over to you. What is your first of the top three? So my first of the top three is going to be Hurley's bad luck list. Um, I started actually making notes of everything bad that started happening to him after he won the lottery. Um, and it's when you put it all out, like on paper and you list it out, I can, you can totally see how this poor guy <laughs> comes to think that, you know, his whole life is cursed. So you have his grandfather, uh, Tito Reyes that had a heart attack. And then, um, his mother fell out of the car, broke her ankle. And then the house that he bought her caught on fire. The pastor that was at her, uh, the grandfather's funeral, he got struck by lightning. Uh, Hurley's brother's wife left Hurley's brother for a woman. Uh, Hurley got arrested because they thought he was a drug dealer in his bright yellow Humvee. Uh, there were storms uh, that took out a sneaker oh, there were storms that took out a freighter or something like that which actually double like yeah that helped yeah. actually double his money with insurance but he already thought that the money was cursed and the storms actually brought like pain to 
the people that were in there. And then as he's having this meeting about how much more he's worth due to these storms that happened, uh, a guy jumped out of the building (laughs) and then a sneaker company blew up and eight people died. Uh, Then there was the plane crash um, and everything after that that happened. Uh, Oh, and then when he goes to the mental institution, that guy almost uh, fell trying to change a light bulb in the dumbest way I've ever seen somebody change a light bulb. (laughs) And he probably, um, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that dude was about to fall. I think Hurley did that because he knew had that guy been changing that light bulb with Hurley around, he would have fallen. I guarantee you he was about to fall. Yeah. Like, like a million uh, times a million that kid was about to, that guy was about to fall. Uh, and so, you know, that's quite the list. I mean, you know, we don't really know how much time has passed since he won the lottery. Uh, but even if that was just a year, that's a lot of that's like a really bad year. And now he's presumed dead um, on this island that he's probably never going to get off of. And, uh, you know, the, and then that bridge, uh, goes out for Charlie, like, and, and Hurley is right. Nothing bad is happening to him. In fact, everything good is happening to him, but like everything's falling apart. People are dying. Things are exploding, uh, all around him, anything that's even like associated with him. So I could see how he would think that he was like this bad luck charm, bad penny, wherever he went. Right. And we, and we haven't even we haven't even seen all of the bad luck that happens as of yet too. I mean, there's still a whole nother episode that we've already made mention before in Trisha Tanaka is dead uh-huh. in which there are other things that happen to Hurley and the people which, around him. I mean, we could keep a running list. <laughs> I think we should. Cause I think it's only going to at least double in size yeah. at this point. Hurley's bad luck list. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that you, was my number three. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go out of order with mine too. Cause one of my top three actually ties hand in hand with that. And that's okay. Hurley's, um, Hurley's determination slash bravery slash motivation. Um, so whereas you touched on Hurley's bad luck list in the flashback of what happens with Hurley, mine kind of goes into what that means to Hurley while he's on the island. And, you know, we find out that Michael with the raft, you know, rebuilding the raft wants to set, have something so that they could send out an SOS symbol and, in order to do that, they need a battery of some sort. Who's mm-hmm. the only person on the island that they know of that has the batteries? Russo. Danielle. Danielle Russo. Hey, French chick. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think at this point, Hurley has kind of decided like, yes, all these bad things are happening to all these people, but nothing bad ever happens to me. And that's kind of like this motivation for going forward and exactly why he wanted to go th- forward alone is because if anything, if anybody was with him, something bad was going to happen to them. If he was by himself, nothing could stop him. And Oh, can I just interject yeah. the music? The music of him when he was walking across <laughs> walking the sand. The beach. Probably the best music that they could have chosen. Like it just it was so perfect. I remember watching it going, This is perfect. This it just- makes me laugh every time I see it. Like even rewatching the episode today. Yeah. I still laugh every time that music hits. <laughs> and I know it's not funny, but even the scene when he is talking to his financial advisor and you know, like it's it, when this financial advisor is telling him, I don't believe in curses, and the guy drops past the window. <laughs> it's 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 really not funny that a guy died, but it's damn funny that that happened at that particular moment. It's well, still, it still right. makes me laugh. 
Or like, or when, uh, or when Hurley's trying to tell his mom that everything is cursed, and she's like, "I don't believe in curses," and it's like your ankle breaks in, in a series of maybe like sixty seconds. Your ankle breaks, your house catches on fire, and your son is arrested. <laughs> yeah, and she's just sitting at the side of, on the curb giving the sign giving of the a cross. cross. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good good humor in this one, and that's one of the things I love about Hurley. And anytime you get a, a backstory of Hurley too, is it it adds. While it's important to the story because Hurley is himself very important to the entire series, it adds so much levity to the situation, and I I love it, and it's I, that's why Hurley is still to this day one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the motivation, like when it came to uh, the trap that he that he. Uh, that he tripped with the big spiky ball that came down from the trees. He's like, no, man, I can make it. I'm spry. I'm spry. <laughs> <laughs> but he's able to do it. He's able to jump out of the way. You look at the bridge that, you know, is one rope across the side and the bridge, and he's the one that makes it across, and Charlie can't. I mean, well, Charlie does make it across, but, you know, it snaps with Charlie and not with Hurley. So there's very obviously... This is what Hurley's motivation is, is that he firmly believes, at least consciously in himself, that nothing can happen to him if he goes at it alone. So, okay, so I have a question for you on this. Okay. With Hurley always being able to kind of like tap dance around danger, and then Walt, who's like the luckiest kid alive, nothing bad ever happens to him. If those two were to team up, who would who would be the bad penny in that situation? I honestly, I think we've already gotten a sample of that. And I think it's, I think it's Hurley because look at the game of backgammon. We'll always beat Hurley. So I, I think, I think Walt's abilities outweigh Hurley's luck. You're right. You're very right. Well, you know, Hurley owes him $83,000. <laughs> yes, he does. And we now know from this episode, he has it. He's good for it. <laughs> He's good for it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah, I, I think in in a situation like that, I think it's absolutely I think it's I think it's Walt. I think Walt comes out on top. I think his abilities are outweigh Hurley's good luck. Uh, because again, Hurley was just never able to beat Walt in that game of backgammon. So, uh but my question to you now, when it comes to watching the series, obviously this is more thinking back to the first time that you saw the show. Did you believe that this was legitimately bad luck or the numbers were cursed or was this just something that was in Hurley's head? Oh, no, I totally believe that the numbers are cursed. I think at this point, I think at this point, watching through, you know, episode, um, episode 18 at this point, I think you would have to. With everything else that's going on with the series at this point, you would almost have to believe that these num- there's something to these numbers. Well, especially at the very end when you know, Danielle Rousseau realizes she's also been brought to the island by the same numbers. Like that is no, that's not a coincidence, right? I mean, even without the ominous, uh, um, ominous, uh, uh, zoom in on the hatch with, with the numbers on the hatch. I mean, even if you remove that, the fact that they both have these exact numbers that have brought them more or less to the island. And given what that means for Hurley on ultimately in the series on being brought to the island, it makes me wonder what exactly Danielle was supposed to do on the island okay. other than just be the crazy woman. Um, 
I want to go out of order since we're kind of talking about this a little bit already. And Sorry. No, no. I, I, I kind of want to use this to jump into my number two. Okay, um, do it. Because my number two actually was the numbers. Okay. Um, or AKA Hugo ruins the lottery for everybody in America. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I know still to this day, any mega millions gets high, which it actually currently is at this moment. It's over like $900 million. Oh my God. Um, and I will be playing it. I know at least one of my tickets is 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. <laughs> um, and what sucks is when that show first came out, when Lost first came out and those numbers first became prevalent in the series, everybody was playing those numbers. So if those numbers ever hit, one, the world would explode. And <laughs> and two, nobody would win a goddamn thing because it would be split over like thousands of people who all played those numbers. So luckily it's kind of died down and not nearly as many people play those numbers, but I know if those numbers hit. Ah, so this is your moment to shine. Yes, exactly. If those, <laughs> if those numbers hit, um, I would still have to split it with a number of people. I'm sure, but not nearly as many as I did. I but would like $1 million, please. I can do that. Okay. I can do Perfect. that. Perfect. Yeah. I, I will, just want to pay I, off my house and my debt and send my kids to college. There you go. I, I can contribute. And go to New Zealand. We'll call it the. <laughs> oh God, I would love to. Can we just flight? Can we fly an oceanic flight if we go? Because I'm going yes. with you. You know I'm going yeah. with you. Yeah, cool. We'll go yeah. see Anwin. There you go. Oh yeah, there we go. Shout out to Anwin. Uh, but no, I I wanted to bring up the numbers because obviously, at this point in time, as we're watching the series, we have no idea how important these numbers are. These numbers, first off, to any Lost fan, any Lost, any person who says they're a Lost fan who can't immediately spout off those numbers off the top of their head is not a Lost fan. Because they are drilled into your head from now until the end of the series. And yeah, yeah I mean, and it's, it's one of those things that, like, these numbers have such a greater importance to the overall series that at this point in the show, in season one, episode 18, you cannot even comprehend. I mean, you look at how these numbers play a part in season six, in the final season, and what these numbers actually are. Right. And it blows my mind thinking about that. Like, these numbers are so much more than just numbers on the side of a hatch or numbers heard over a radio frequency. They are, again, like, it's just, it blows my mind thinking about the importance of these numbers. And I think there's even a short amount of time in the series where the numbers kind of, they kind of take a back seat. You don't hear about them as much for a while, but then in the, in the final season, man, they come back and they come back strong because the mean, what these numbers are is finally revealed. Right. Well, you know, and I think that this episode really kind of gives a nice little launch pad for it. You know, I mean, it has Danielle Rousseau, uh, Hurley, and it ha- and, and it appears on the hatch. So three different times and three different places for three different reasons, uh, these numbers come up. And they all seem to, you know, be in common with the island. So, I, I mean, I would say that that, that alone in this episode gives um gives the audience okay so we need to actually sit up and pay attention when it comes to these numbers um so that's good yeah yeah exactly um 
right. I skipped yours, but <clears throat> what about your number two? Oh, no worries. Um, so my number two is Charlie's Nine Lives. Um, <laughs> Charlie seems to be like a cat. Um, you know, he just, he was in the plane crash. He survived a hanging and now he barely survived crossing a bridge after Hurley. Um, so it's funny to watch Charlie just kind of almost die a lot. Yeah. Um, and we're not, we're not at the end of that. Uh, right. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going to see how many lives Charlie has at the end of this. It it would be interesting to see if it's actually nine. Well, we're at three. Okay. Three are gone. All right. Yeah. <laughs> He's a third of third of the way through. Um, I think it kind of slows down a little bit at this point. I should hope so. Um, but yeah, it definitely picks up again, I believe, season three or four. When he's with Mr. Echo? No, no, when he's with Desmond. Oh, oh, yeah. That's when a lot of that starts to really pick up again. So it'll be interesting. Oh, I'm just sad thinking about it. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You know, but I will say that just to stay on Charlie, Charlie was a really good friend to Hurley when Hurley was a kind of a jerk to him and you know you mentioned a minute ago with the fact that Hurley was just trying to protect his friend by going off alone but Charlie wanted to make sure to keep tabs on his friend after it was revealed that everybody was looking for Hurley (laughs) he was going to leave Hurley alone but then at least he joined in the search for Hurley when he heard that Jack and Saeed were going to go and look for Hurley yeah yeah, for sure. But I mean, on the other hand, too, I don't think it makes it seem like Charlie is a jerk because I don't I don't think it's that way at all. But he also wouldn't take Hurley at his word when he when Hurley told him who he was in real life. You know, I had a real big problem with that scene anyways. Um, Hurley was having Hurley was clearly struggling with something. He had a secret. He wanted to confide in his friend about his secret. And instead of listening to Hurley, Charlie acted like a true addict and he made it all about him. He told his story by interrupting Hurley. And then he got mad because he told what he thought was, you know, the worst story in the world. Um, and he didn't get the right payoff for for what he shared with Hurley. And I just it made I love Charlie as a character, but that kind of just lessened it just a little bit for me because, you know, I, I I have a problem with the whole selfish aspect of of addicts and kind of how it just in like kind of infects their everybody else's lives. Um yeah. I, I don't know how I, I'm not explaining it well, but no, I, I understand what you're meaning. And it kind of goes right along with, I don't want to make it sound like Charlie's a jerk, but he kind of was in that moment. Again, you're right. He made it all about him and he just wouldn't take Hurley at his word. I understand that he he's trying to be a friend to Hurley. And when Hurley is, but I also at the same time, if you think about it, he didn't take it on himself to follow Hurley. He he kind of just let Hurley go off and do his own thing. It wasn't until Jack and Saeed came and asked about it that Charlie got in that Charlie got involved. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Charlie wasn't a good friend until it was, oh well I know what's going on too, so I'll go along as well. Yeah. But 
that's good because Charlie and Hurley's friendship is really great as it evolves and it, you know, turns into one of the better friendships in the whole series, I think. Oh, I, I mean, if, if I was someone like Hurley, I, I would, uh, I'll rephrase this. I would love someone, I would love to be friends with somebody like a Charlie or a Hurley. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I would like, agree. yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, well, actually, I know you're right. That's one of the, there, there's so many connections throughout this. We've talked about the Jin and Son connection. Um, you know, we talk about Desmond or not Desmond, uh, Saeed and Shannon. Um, you know, and Charlie, and we talk about Charlie and Claire, but Charlie and Hurley is another one of those really strong connections that you grow to love throughout the run of the series. Mm-hmm. So, and it's one I of those, agree. it's one of those connections that even, how do I word this without giving too much away? Because yes, we're spoilerful, but if I can prevent a spoiler, I will. It's one of those connections that after, after oh, I, I can't really go on without saying it directly, but after the death of one of the characters, still continues in its own way. That's true. You're right. It's been a really long time since I've watched a show, but that just came back to me. You're correct. Yeah, that is a connection that continues after the death of one of them. Yes. So now that may sound confusing, but it will make total sense when you uh, when we get there. Yes, when you watch the show. Yes. Um, I'm going to let you continue on though and jump right back into the proper order. What's your number one for the episode? And I I'm praying you don't take mine. <laughs> huh? I probably will. Not right, let we'll you see. say that. Uh, my number one was actually the B story. I loved the B story was, I think, almost as great as the Hurley story. Uh, and that was uh, Locke and Claire building the cradle. <laughs> <laughs> that was my number one, too. But we can talk uh, about it together. So that works. Yeah. I, you know, I just thought it was really sweet because I think, I think Locke somehow knew it was her birthday. Um, I also know that. Claire has been feeling pretty useless. You know, people have been saving her, waiting on her, taking care of her, checking on her because she's the pregnant one. And Locke made her feel useful. He made her feel grateful. He made her feel like she was preparing for her baby, which is something that she probably couldn't have felt like she was doing on that island. He took care of her in a way that made it feel like Claire was taking care of Claire. And that's really special for somebody to have a skill like that, where it's not anything that has to do with pity or, or charity. It's reminding somebody that they are capable and that they are useful when they feel useless. And I very, very much liked what they, what they talked about. I loved the reveal of the cradle yeah. at the end. It, it is, in my opinion, probably, and this is saying a lot considering we're only in season one, I think it is honestly probably one of the sweetest moments from this entire series. Yes. I, I really believe that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's one of those things where, you know, Locke is doing his best to make sure she feels useful as well as preparing for the baby. But I think beyond that, this is another thing I think with Claire returning the way she has without a memory of remembering who any of these people are. And yes, she's made a connection with Charlie again. Um, 
it's it's almost a form of isolation that she's been feeling at the same time. She's sitting alone on the beach because Charlie is now away doing his thing with her, with Hurley, Said, and Jack. And even when Charlie's there, she still partially feels isolated because he's really the only person that she's connecting with. And she still doesn't even know him. Like, she's still getting to know him. So to be in a group of pe- all these people and not know any of them. That's a major form of isolation. Even though you're not alone, you're still isolated. Mm-hmm. And Locke is really doing his best to kind of break her of that. And I think that is something else that just adds to that scene, other than making her feel useful and making her feel, you know, prepared for her for her baby. He's he's doing his best to make sure she doesn't feel isolated. And I think in the back of his mind, too, he's also doing the, doing this because perhaps this will help her remember. And I think that's very important to the scene. And I think just, again, kind of adds to the whole element as to what I mentioned before. And that this is one of the sweetest scenes from the series. I will agree with you. I've, I had a really wonderful time uh, with, with that, with that subplot. I just thought that it was just as good as the a plot. Um, So yeah. I think the only question I have is where did Locke get a saw? Uh, you know what? He built it. I <laughs> okay. don't know. I, it's it's Locke. He I, probably found the iron and forged it and, you know, happened to have some kind of a kit to make the teeth of the saw. Who knows? Hey, man, he made glue out of he rendered animal glue. fat. He made glue. He has 500 knives. Oh, you know what? I bet oh, you it's in his knife that's kit. That's right. You're right. I just realized that, too. It's yep. probably in the knife box. Yep, because he had if he was gonna go hunt or you know do a walkabout, my guess is he probably needed some sort of a serrated edge. But it's it's funny, like I think I remember watching this episode for the first time and and again realizing how sweet it was that he did something like that. But at the same time, thinking, okay, this guy just built a cradle out of like branches and stuff by rendering animal fat into yeah. glue. Mm-hmm. Who is this man? Like, I know. It just adds more to the mystery of Locke at the same time, but makes you realize, like, while he's completely mysterious, he's not a bad guy. Ugh, just he, such not a bad guy. No. And there's so much more to happen with Locke, even before the end of this series. And it's so funny, too, because thinking about that, by the time we get to the finale of this series, Locke has been one of the most confident characters in this series. Like, he's always... He's the one that stepped up and said, we're not the only people on this island. Like, he's mm-hmm. helped Boone to oversee his fears, overcome his fears. He's helping Claire over, um, you know, get through his, 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 uh, her, uh, isolation and useful, uselessness. But by the end of this series, man, there's a, there's a switch that flips and not for the best in Locke. Right. And it's because of something that happens to another character that right. he kind of takes a nosedive for a minute. Right. Well, you know, I mean, but if 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 we're just talking about Locke and we're not talking about not Locke, um, but if, yes, if, yeah, if we're I know what you mean about, by that. Right. If we're just talking about Locke, what I love about this character is that everything he does is quiet. Everything he does is very nuanced and he does it in a way that it makes the other person shine. It makes the other person evolve and it takes him out of the spotlight. And I think that there's something very lovely about that, especially in a world where at least in today's world where people are shouting from the rooftops, look at me, look at me, I'm special. And in this way, you know, Locke just says, 
look at them. They're special. Look at this person. Look at you. Go. You're going to be fine. You're going to be great. I, I believe in you. And there, there's something about encouragement that, that I just find very, very wonderful, very wonderfully quiet. Well, I think, it, I think on the other side of that too, you look at what we know of Locke's backstory at this point. We know that before the island, he was in a wheelchair. He was paralyzed. We know that he was constantly being told of things he couldn't do. And I think one that kind of reflects now is that he, after being told for so long about things he, he knew he could do but was told he couldn't, and now he's actually able to do those things. I think he's kind of reciprocating that. I think he's kind of taking these people and he's seeing things that they may not believe in themselves and he's helping them to believe mm-hmm. in that because that's the change that he's made being on this island. Mm-hmm. But on the other time, on the other side of that too, I think he's so used to having so much attention because he was in a wheelchair and because of, you know, that him standing out so much of his life yeah i think Mm -hmm. he's kind of like you know what i'm at a place now i'm i'm in a place now and i'm at a place now where i'm not getting that attention so this is my opportunity to just kind of step back and relax and enjoy the yeah and enjoy the fact that i'm not a special needs anymore isn't that great too and it, it it adds to the complexity of his character which again i've mentioned it before uh, you've mentioned like Saeed being one of yours or Sawyer being one of yours still to this day, even between it's going to sound weird that we say you and I know what we're talking about and people who've watched the show know what we're talking about. But even to the end from Locke to not Locke, um, he still remained one of my favorite characters. It sounds like you're saying Matt Locke. I know. Correctly. <laughs> I, know I said it too. I know. Locke and not Locke. Locke um, and not Locke. And there is a meaning behind that for anybody who has not watched the series to the end. And you will understand that as you get closer to the end of the series. Um, so what do you think would have happened with Locke if Claire had told him why she was on the plane? Um, do you mean, do I think it would have been any different? Would he have built the cradle? No, I think he would have maybe even had some insight for her, I guess. Like, because he's such a man of faith, and to hear that a medium told her to get on this plane to keep her baby, but at the same time told her that she was waiting for uh, parents in L.A., when really the medium, in my opinion, probably knew that being on the plane was the way for her to keep her baby. Oh, I I firmly believe that, too. You know what I mean? But for... For her to share that story with anybody in that moment, in that quiet moment, making the cradle, talking about what they believe and what they don't believe and how he believes in a lot of things. And I I kept waiting in that scene for her to say, let me tell you how I ended up on this plane. Because <laughs> um, I, I think that that would have just been a, kind of a cool conversation between these teachers. I think it would have been, but you, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that Locke is a man of faith. I think had he known... That, you know, had Claire told her full story as to why she would have been, uh, why she was on the plane and how she ended up on the plane, I think, I think Locke's may have, way of thinking would have been right around, right around the same as ours. And that he, I think he would have flat out told her, well, did you ever perchance think that this is the reason why you're here? You were meant to be on this island. See, and what that would have been so great. For her, for him to pose that question to her. That's all I'm saying. Okay. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, you look at his own situation. I think he firmly believes he was meant to be on this island. 
Right. And I think he, I think he believes that in everybody that's there. I think he believes that everybody that is on that island, everybody survived that crash, is there for a reason. Claire included. And I think had we gotten that story or Claire had revealed that to Locke, Locke would have, I think Locke would have said the same thing to her, but not in a sense of like forcing it down her throat. I think he mm. would have, I think he would have said it in a way just to make her question it. Not to make her, not to force her to believe it, but to make her question it, if that makes sense. I, I just <clears throat> would love to see some like that scene recreated with just, a few extra sentences. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, you're blonde and I'm bald, so we can recreate that scene if we want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I've had all my babies and I'm done. So I'm not (laughs) kidding. We're going to have to find a beach ball or something. (laughs) Who not have one more child? (laughs) Yeah, that, that would be interesting enough. That's, that's going way too far just to recreate a scene. Um, anything else pertaining to the episode, like any additional notes that you want to bring up before we start moving on to like feedback and manifest and and such? Yeah, actually I had one, uh, a a couple of notes. Uh, one of them, one of them was, I, I like that Michael and Jin seem to be starting to understand each other. At least I think that's what he's saying. Right. But there's no real animosity between them. They're finding ways to communicate and work with each other, and it's bumpy. I mean, they were arguing at one point in the episode, but at another part, you know, they were working together and trying to overcome the language barrier with Hurley trying to also figure out what exactly was happening. You know, it was just like this little comedy of errors to open up the show, and I loved that. I thought it was really great, but it's nice to see Michael a little more relaxed. Every episode we see him, he's just a little bit more settled, right? Yeah. Settled as a father, settled as um, w- with the drama with Jen and son. Uh, he's settling into a leadership position for his own project, which I think Michael is a character that needs uh, to be grounded by something like that. As a construction worker, he was probably a foreman. He pro- you know, he works with his hands. He knows how to lead a team as far as that goes. And, you know, a man, a man that doesn't have uh, something to focus on or, or, or work towards can get very lost and, and even maybe even, you know, high anxiety. And so I like it that, and and I don't know if it was a character choice um, with with the actor whose name is escaping me right now. Harold Perennial. 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 I think it's Perennial. Okay, Perennial. <laughs> I was really close. Yeah, um, you were getting there. I was on my way. Um, and I don't know. If, and, and like I said, I, I, I don't know if that was a character decision or something. But every single episode, I see him settling more into what his life is on that island. And, and I enjoy that. I I'm starting to enjoy Michael and that's wonderful. Cause I love that actor. So, yeah. Um, and then the other note that I had was, um, at the very end with Rousseau telling Hurley, yes, I think the numbers are cursed. And he just <laughs> like relaxes for the first time. And it's like he's relaxing for the first time probably since winning the lottery. And she is being hugged for the first time in probably 16 years. Yeah. And it's such a strange little moment for the two of them, but it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's the first time somebody 
is telling Hurley he's not crazy. Like, and that's gotta be a huge relief for Hurley, so much so that you would hug a complete stranger who was just shooting at you. Right. Well, especially after the one friend that he's really made on the island, Charlie, just called him a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that, that that's another one of those scenes that just I, I chuckle at every time I see it because it's just that lighter side of Hurley that I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. So, And he's just so big and she's so teeny <laughs> tiny and he like wraps her in this hug and you just kind of lose sight of her a little bit. <laughs> and, and I love the follow up scene to that too when when Claire or when Claire when Charlie catches up to Saeed and Jack and you know says like I, I lost Hurley somebody was shooting at us and Hurley shows up and there's that moment where you know he hands the battery to Jack looks at Saeed and says she says hey <laughs> and there's that see just that follow up scene of Saeed and Jack looking in utter shock. That Hurley was able to pull this off and Jack with that quiet, silent smirk of, all right, we really don't have anything to worry about when it comes to Hurley. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, I know that you you have that whole, and we haven't said it yet, but Jack being the worst. He's the worst. I think think this is one of those lighthearted moments of Jack where I was just like, okay, that's kind of fun. Yeah. No, you know what? Good. I'm glad that Jack got through a whole episode without being a jerk (laughs) to somebody. That's just great. Good job, writers. I mean, he only had like five, five minutes of screen time. So in that five minutes, he was able not to abuse or or sarcastically (laughs) remark or shame anybody. So that's great. He got through an episode without being a jerk. Um, I have two notes okay. <laughs> real quick. Um, one of them is when they're going over when Hurley is with his uh, financial advisor and they're going over everything that he owns. There's the mention of him uh, acquiring a box company, which, again, is another connection to another character uh, Mr. because Locke. Mr. John Locke worked for a box company. And we yeah. do find out in a later episode it is indeed the company that John Locke worked for. Is a box that company that he works for. Damn yellow Humvee showing up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that Humvee showing up again later on down the road. Every uh, single time somebody talks about Locke's box company, I just all I see is Boone in the rain going, "Is that something that you learn in a box company?" <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Um, my other note though is something I don't know if you picked up on and it wouldn't be an episode of this podcast if I didn't have at least one thing I might potentially be reading too much into. And it's another char- it's with a character who is in this episode who we have yet to mention. And that's Sawyer. There is a particular scene in which Sawyer is sitting back reading a book and he's getting a headache from the noise that's being made from the raft being rebuilt. There's two things about this scene. First off, and I'll start with the easier one, and that's his headaches. His headaches come back a little bit later in what I think is one of the funniest damn scenes of the entire series. Um, and I don't know if that happens in this season or if it happens in a later season, but there's an episode where he's getting fitted for glasses. And when he's wearing the glasses... It's the only line Hurley has in the entire episode, but it is the funniest damn line of the entire season. And it's where he tells Sawyer, dude, you look like you got steamrolled by Harry Potter. (laughs) 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 Just seeing Sawyer getting these headaches just took me directly to that scene and made me laugh. 
awesome. Because we find out we find out a little bit later on. This is a little bit of the spoiler: is that the headaches he's getting isn't aren't actually from the noise; it's from his reading because he's nearsighted, or he's far he's, he's farsighted. He's yes. getting older and you need glasses when you're older. <laughs> but I want to divert attention to the book that okay. Sawyer is reading. What was he reading? He's reading A Wrinkle in Time. Oh. Which, if anybody who's not familiar with A Wrinkle in Time, it is literally a book about good and evil. And in essence, by the time this series ends, that is ultimately what is happening. So I'm wondering if this is just purely coincidence. It's not. I'm already saying it. This is a big hint as to the future of this series. Because it becomes good versus evil. It's like the backgammon episode. The white and black. Yeah, the white and black. Right. And John Locke saying, like, this is a story about, you know, dark and light or something. Yeah. And I think A Wrinkle in Time is another hint to that. It's because A Wrinkle in Time is a book about the ultimate battle of good and evil. Very cool, Ben. You did not read too much into that. That is such a good catch. I did not catch that. That's great. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. You get a star now. Yay. Oh, uh, you should hear me talk about Game of Thrones on my other podcast. So, I like do. you want to talk about you want to talk about tinfoil hat time? <laughs> I get crazy over Oh, I can't so. wait because I know I'm <laughs> gonna be in an upcoming episode. So yeah. I'm gonna be full on with that too. Do it. Do it to it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm glad I wasn't reading too far too far into No, that. not at all. I love stuff like that. So bring it. Bring yeah. it every single episode. Oh, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna like, go back and look at it. Yeah. Every episode that we do, I'm gonna try and have at least one thing, which is Ben's moment of reading into things too much. <laughs> Ben's Ben's Harry Potter steamroll moment. <laughs> That's what we call it. <laughs> I can't wait. I gotta find out when that happens. I think it's this season. I think it's before the end of the season, but I could oh, great. be I could be wrong. I, um, we'll find who, out later. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, well, you know, it I would be it, it would be wrong of us not to talk about the fact that we do get the hint that uh Hurley has been in a uh mental facility, it looks like at the yeah. beginning of this. Well, I don't think we know do we know at this point, is it revealed in the episode that he at, at one point was a patient there? They said, we didn't know that you and Lenny were so close when you were here. It was okay. like a offhanded comment that if you weren't paying attention, you probably would have missed it. Um, it does you know. happen in season one, by the way. Sorry, I just confirmed. Okay. <laughs> the Harry Potter line happens in season okay. one. So it's coming up. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, so you know, he meets his his friend Lenny, and all Lenny is doing is repeating the numbers, repeating, 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 and that until he finds out that Hurley used the numbers, and then he goes insane, and then he tells him to go find Sam Toomey, and he goes to Australia. Weird, <laughs> um, you know. So the numbers bring him to Australia, and then the numbers bring him to the island. So, you know, I mean, it is possible that the numbers brought Hurley to the mental facility without him even knowing it. And then, you know, he used the numbers for the lottery and then, you know, it's, it's possible that all of it is linked. Right. Yeah. Um, which would be very cool if that was the case, which I think it is because th- Hurley ends up being a huge part of the numbers and of the Island at the very end. So uh, it, it's nice to get that early kind of nod to what is going to ultimately happen with the character. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it's it's very curious because I don't remember. I think it is revealed why Hurley ended up in the mental institution. Actually, now that I think about it, I think there. If I if I remember correctly, there's an accident with a balcony. I, if I, maybe you're forgetting about it, maybe you don't remember. I don't know when. When he. When he, when we find out that Hurley was indeed a patient at the mental institution, there, am yeah, I wrong? What, no, you're not. And okay. it's, you know, it's, it's when he went on the date with Libby that we find out about it and it's really, really sad. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later. I don't want to think about that right yeah, now. Yeah. That's next, that's next season. No. Yeah. No. Next season. or I don't remember. They blend together. It's, it's <laughs> within the next two seasons that we get to that. Um, yeah. Cause we haven't even met Libby yet. So, and we won't right. until next season. Um, all right. Anything else about this, uh, no. this episode? No. I love the I fact. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. And I love the fact that we're talking about one episode per episode of the podcast now because it gives us time to dive deeper into it like this. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I like one episode at a time. I do too. But speaking of that, before we get into feedback, we're going to jump into our new segment. And that is the Manifest Minute. <laughs> I'm so excited. I know you are. And because of that, you know what? I'm going to let you kick it off. I'm, I'm going to say one thing and then I'm going to you go into the discussion of the episode. But um, this was episode four of Manifest Unclaimed Baggage. And before this episode aired, I had an opportunity to speak to one of the cast members of Manifest on my other podcast, uh, The Spotlight. And uh, I got to talk to Parveen Kaur, who's the actress who plays uh, Sanvi who is very prevalent to this episode. This is a big focus on her character. And I just want to say it's very, she doesn't, she's relatively new to the role of acting. She's only been acting for about five years now. Um, this is the, her, the largest role she's ever done. And I really didn't know much about her at all. I do my research, but there's really not a lot out there as, in regards to research. Like I couldn't even, anytime I don't know how to properly pronounce someone's last name, I can go online and look at other interviews that they've done to, to know how their name is pronounced. There's nothing out there. I was one of the first interviews she has ever done. So I legitimately had to ask her. I'm like, okay, I asking this question because I never had to ask it. How do you pronounce your last name? And she's like, oh, God. She's like, please. She's like, thank you for asking because it gets butchered a lot. And she's like, I, I actually would, I actually appreciate you actually asking me how to do that instead of trying to figure it out on your own. Um, this was a scheduled 15 minute long interview that went for 45 because she was so nice to talk to. She was an absolute sweetheart. I always worry talking to somebody I'd never, I didn't know anything about. And man, that went away in the first five minutes. I wasn't oh, that's wor- so special. She was so much fun to talk to. And even after the interview was over, she, we, we stayed on the line for like another 15, 20 minutes and just kept talking. Um, cause she's based in New York now. She moved from Vancouver to New York for the show and everything. And the coolest part about it, I text you immediately after the interview and told you this was when I mentioned during the interview that we're now talking about manifest on the Lust podcast on this podcast. She admitted that she has never watched Lost, but she at the end of the interview, she told me, she gave me her personal email to send her links to where she can find this podcast because she is sharing it with the cast of Manifest, <laughs> which is 
amazing. That's really cool. I like that. And if any of you are actually listening to this right now, like I have to tell you, I really love this show <laughs> like a lot, <laughs> like a weird, a weird, a lot amount. So. I, don't, I don't think we'd be talking about it on this podcast if we didn't both love the show. Yeah. I okay. really, I really agree with that. And if any of the cast of Manifest are listening to this right now, which we hope you are, congratulations on three additional episodes. Yay. We hope it's more. I hope you guys get greenlit for a second season and a third season because it's really fun. And I love where this show is going. I just love where it's going. Um, This episode, I'm just going to jump right in. This episode had a lot of elements of kind of what um, the rest of the Stone family has been going through with uh, Grace and Olive. Um, Olive is really i just wanted to wring her neck at some point <laughs> in this episode because it seems that what she's doing is she's trying to create drama in her life by calling danny instead of calling like she called danny and then she called her mom and she she only wanted her mom to come she didn't want her dad to come and it wasn't because you know, she she wanted to hide anything from her dad. It was because she wants to get her mom and Danny probably back together. Um, and I thought that was kind of a dick move. And when and when Ben shows up, what? Yeah, it's Ben. Yeah. Yep. When Ben shows up. And she looks shocked to see him there. And then you see who Danny is. Now, this actor is somebody he was on Grey's Anatomy a couple years ago. And I and um, I. I saw him and I go, no, why is it you? Because, <laughs> because he was such a jerk on Grey's Anatomy that I'm not sure. Uh, he was Eli. His name, he was a nurse and he was Eli. And he was just, he wasn't even a jerk. He was just super arrogant on the show and it just didn't make him very likable on the show. And so when I saw him, I'm like, oh my God, sucks. I'm not even going to give this guy a chance because I didn't like his character <laughs> so much on Grey's Anatomy. So even if he turns out to be kind of a nice guy, I'm not really sure I'm going to be able to like get over the Grey's Anatomy part in in order to go into uh, uh, what this Danny character could possibly be. But, you know, also what Danny should have done is he should have just called Grace immediately and said, hey, Olive just called me. She's in trouble. I'm going to stay out of it because that's the right thing to do. But instead, he injected himself in on on an already impossible situation for this family. So I don't think that that really bodes well for the character. Um, I don't think that he did Olive or any of the Stone family any favors by showing up at the mall to help Olive. Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it looks like they're going to break apart Grace and Ben, and it that upsets me because I remember in the very first episode, it looked like there wasn't going to be a love triangle, and I really appreciated the fact that they weren't going to make a love triangle of any sort with this family because it's already so hard to put a family back together. But, you know, it's television, and I understand that you need to have an element of drama, um, and so they've decided to go with this love triangle, But and, and it looks like it's just going to get a lot messier. Um, which is a bummer, but well, I, I don't it, really, it'll be interesting. Yeah. And I don't really know if he's going to be, because he's only cast, uh, looking at the cast of credits for, you know, 
for I don't want to know how many episodes he's in. Okay, you don't want to know. No. Um, but it's funny that you look at him as Eli from Grey's Anatomy and automatically label him as a jerk because I remember him as Franco from Rescue Me. And right. it's a completely opposite thing. Like he That's I, what my husband says. <laughs> I love him. I love him in, in Rescue Me. So and that's what my husband said. <laughs> <laughs> so it's completely different sides of the spectrum here is right. you automatically label him as a jerk, and I'm like, oh, it's him. I I kind of don't hate him like what do i what i'm i'm conflicted now i don't know oh, what to think cool. about that that's cool okay <laughs> well he's only in a few episodes of great's anatomy so if you should watch just a little bit of him um i think he's in season <sighs> i forget okay. nine, eight something like that i'll look it up um so but okay so let's go to the actual episode of of kind of the A story here in that uh, Michaela and uh, the doctor Sanvi. and Bethany and Leo was, no, it wasn't Leo. It was Thomas. So we learned that the, the flight attendant, Bethany, she wasn't, she wasn't doing anything wrong. Like initially we were supposed to believe it was that she was trying to save Thomas's life. And the more you learn about Bethany and, and what she was trying to do for her cousin and her cousin's boyfriend, the more you just start rooting for these people. And then you realize there's nothing sinister about these people on the plane. And it seems like there is, and I like that they called it a calling, the calling, you know, Michaela got the calling wrong. And if Ben hadn't just walked away from what seems to be the beginning of the end of his marriage and the, the a break in his family, he probably would have been more receptive to, to Michaela, but he was already just like, ah, oh, stop making everything worse. Everything's terrible. Let's, you know, we just have to put our head down and the NSA is following us. And like just last episode, he was more into, no, let's follow this and let's try and decipher the story and blah, blah, blah. But now he's like, I have to save my family. So poor Ben is being pulled in like eight different directions. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which is so sad. Um, I like it that Michaela's last name is Stone, Ben's last name is Stone. And now there's this big stone um, angel that Michaela seems to think is where she's going to go now. You know, she's like, what do you want from me? What do you need from me? Um, what am I supposed to do with this? It seems that she's really the only one that's really getting all of the messages. I mean, Ben got one uh, when it came to the girls, but the doctor got, what? what is it, Dr. what? Sanvi. Thank you. Yep. Dr. Sanvi uh, got this this latest one, right? So it seems that Michaela's going to be kind of the common link with all of this, and she's going to be the one that ultimately has to be uh, a deciding factor of what save them, save her, uh, help him, help her, whatever, ultimately becomes. Right? I, I think she's going to be the leader. And you know what? And I can kind of see that too. And one of the things I don't know if you noticed uh, or not about this particular episode, it's funny that you bring up the whole thing that their last name is Stone and this is a stone statue because I didn't even make that connection. But the, the one connection that I did make is in the flashback scene where Ben and Olive are playing with her little rubber band plane is at that stone statue. It's in that square because when the plane gets run over, he oh puts in the water gosh. of the fountain of that statue. Why totally so I, missed that? I, That's awesome. <laughs> I think there is a deeper connection, not just to that statue, but to that location. Well, of I, course there is. <laughs> 
I'm sure it's on like, you know, at, at the cross section of 82nd and 8th or something like that, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was. That... <laughs> or 8th and 28th. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that moment that they have with that little plane when, you know, when he's with Olive at that point, it's at that, it's in that little square where that fountain is. That is so cool. See, now I got to go back and watch it again. And I, I, I finished it like 10 minutes before we started <laughs> recording this. I, but I only had like a half a page to take notes in my notebook. And so I started trying to find extra room somewhere to write in my notebook. Um, but then I said, I, I can't get unorganized here. So I had to go on memory for the last like 10 minutes of the episode. <laughs> I'm going to take more notes next week, though. And I'd like to talk about th- I almost want to talk about this show more than I want. I, like, I almost want to say, hey, let's take a break on Lost and let's just follow <laughs> Manifest for just a couple of weeks because it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I really... I'm not sure about the introduction of Danny. I didn't like having to put a face with Danny. It with with the name of this mystery person that yeah, has kind of I, been lingering in the background. Right. And the fact that there's a whole box that says happy anniversary and then uh and then you know Grace is like you don't know what we've been through and how much that probably hurt cuz you know I I grew up in a family where we didn't you know where my parents were divorced and um you know, my dad wasn't around for a lot of the formative years and those teenage years. And I, I understand how that can be. And then you get confused on who to be loyal to. But I never got like diabolical about it. Like what what Olive did was just really, really yucky. No, you I, know? I, and I agree with you on that, too. But I want to looking at this from a different perspective. I think it's kind of like, yes, what she did was absolutely wrong. Calling Danny over, you know, calling Ben to come and get her. But the no, reason- it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was calling Danny and then calling her mom to get the two of them together. Oh, I thought she had called. No, she called her mom's cell phone and asked her mom to come and get her. And yeah. Danny was already there. Oh, I didn't know Danny was already there. I missed. Yeah. I must have missed that part. Okay. But I mean, even still, like even knowing that, it, it doesn't really change the point I was going to make in that I kind of understand where – Olive is coming from a little bit because you kind of have to realize that this is while, again, this is one of those situations where to Ben, it's only been, you know, it was only like, what, five hours that he has been out of life. And it's been five and a half years that he's been out of hers. So she's already moved on. And I think there's maybe a part of Olive that up until the end of this episode kind of believed this wasn't her father. Like, you know, he he hasn't been here. He's just coming back out of nowhere. He hasn't changed in five and a half years. I think she needed that that conversation with Ben that she has to kind of reconfirm that, okay, this is really my father. And then they kind of have that moment where no, uh, uh-uh. no, you don't believe that at all. Not. I okay. think she played. I I think she played him. Oh, I'm not saying she didn't play. Oh, you think she played him at the end? Yeah, too. I do. I think that she played him at the end. She didn't want her mom to know, but I think Danny was still going to tell. I, I, I think she played him. I think there's more to Olive than we think. She's a teenager. She's angry. She's acting out. She's trying to get this guy and her mom back together in a weird kind of roundabout way. I just think that there's more of this that we're not seeing that we don't that we don't know about that maybe we'll find out about later. Well, and because Grace is kind of already 
even she even made that point to Ben towards the end that, you know, she's going to say whatever she has to to get out of trouble. Yeah, well, not to mention they said when Ben got to the mall and she said, yeah, I'm her dad. And he said, oh, no, her dad's already here. I mean, that's a knife to the heart. True. Yeah, so I, it's very I true. don't know. There's just some something is going to come to a climax with that whole storyline. And I just I don't know. I I think it would be nice if if the Danny character who's not married to this woman whose husband just came back from the dead would just be a gentleman and just fade Step, out. Yeah, just go away. Let the family get back be together. I mean, she got her son and her husband back after five and a half years like be a bro, man. Back up. Do the yeah. Do the right thing and don't be. Do a dick. the honorable thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So no, I, I agree with you too. So, um, yeah, you pretty. Do you much, have any? No, you pretty much covered everything I was going to bring so up. Sorry. No, don't apologize. I love the fact that we get to talk about it. And but when they said that when they're in the car talking about, oh yeah, I saw a stone woman. Well, I saw wet footprints. I'm like, it's a fountain. It's a fountain. Like, I start shouting at the television. I'm like, it's a fountain. I just love the fact that I made you realize that it's the same place. Yeah, that that, that Ben and Olive were there. The only other thing I want to bring up about the show too is that we kind of, you know, as we mentioned, this is a very Sanvi centric episode. We haven't really touched base on it that much, um, other than the fact, uh, you know, of her, Thomas, and the flight attendant, you know, all working together to get him safe. But it's also kind of revealed that her brain scan is identical to his, and we're seeing that exact thing that the one doctor, I think, he calls it um, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So I, you got to have to believe that if that's true, Sanvi kind of has a worry in her head now that she's schizophrenic because of everything. And yeah, not just I her, but everybody. Well, I don't think that it's schizophrenic. I don't think it is either. You said that there's that's a part of the brain that they don't know a lot about. So uh, they took they took an MRI of of Cal's brain, didn't they? They did. For the study. So I was wondering where that third MRI scan was. I mean, if I was Sanvi, I would put all three of them together and see if all three of them had that same marker. Yeah. Has it ever been um, what kind of cancer? um, Leukemia. Cal has. Okay. Okay. So it is leukemia. That's what I was Mm -hmm. thinking, but I wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure. That's what Scott Wilson had. Yeah. Unfortunately. Sad way to take, why did take down the podcast? We could talk about Ben and his sexy math. <laughs> sexy math? I really liked that. Yeah. That she said, oh, oh I remember. Sexy math. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And you know what? On that note, real quick, I wonder if that's really who he was. Like, was he really that intelligent? Or is this maybe a glimpse into something additional that has come from this disappearance? So maybe like an he additional was like intelligence. always a math teacher, but now that he's come back, now he can see things a little bit clearer. It's like amplified a little bit. Hey, maybe. But look, any, anything is possible. They just they took a five-hour plane ride and it's five and a half years later. I think that we're in the anything is possible realm of this show. Yeah, we're 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 only four episodes in, so any and we know as of right now there's still at least twelve more to come. Yeah. So, so anything is uh is completely anything. possible. at this point um yeah that's all i really have for the episode 
Yeah, me right. too. Well, you know, we could talk more about it, but yeah, these are manifest minutes, not manifest hours. Exactly. So. <laughs> Um, all right. So we do have some feedback. As we mentioned last week, we did a voicemail from our friend Steve, who left voicemail for both episodes uh, in translation and numbers. So we reserved it last week, and we're, we're going to play it for you this week. And then we have another voicemail in which he leaves us some actual feedback about Manifest. So Yay! we might as well open it up to other people, too, and we give you how you can reach out and leave us feedback. If you want to leave us feedback for Manifest as well, I say go for it. Please do, because I really, really love that show. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. A lot. <laughs> You've made that known. And it's not just because people from the show might be listening. No. <laughs> no. I look- talk about it to everybody. I'm like, have you seen Manifest? Have you seen Manifest? Hey, have you seen Manifest? I think you should watch Manifest. <laughs> Manifest really good. But if anybody from the show is listening, um, please, when we – towards the end of the podcast, when you give you ways to contact us, uh, please do. So we can possibly have you on the podcast with us because that would be awesome. So even the guy that plays Danny, (laughs) we could talk about Grey's Anatomy. I'll talk to him about Rescue Me. So uh, let's jump into the feedback. And as as we mentioned, first, we do have this this voicemail from our buddy Steve on the last two episodes of Lost. So we'll play that now. Hi, Christian and Ben. I just wanted to leave some feedback uh, for in translation and numbers. First off, uh, in translation started with not an eye opening, but an open eye, being Jim's. Um, Hurley seemed to be on the TV when the little girl was watching the TV. I thought that was kind of interesting. It looked like uh, there was some sort of news footage of Hurley. And uh, it's it's hard to take notes when you're trying to read subtitles. Um, love the line, everyone gets a new life on this island when Locke is talking to Shannon. And then in numbers, you know, we're starting to see these connections that are coming up and we start to see, like they mentioned the box company in Tustin. And I'm wondering if this Canadian tennis shoe factory, did that ever come up later in the season? I don't know. I know that the box company in Tustin does does come up or has already come up, I can't remember. The numbers I thought was interesting. I put this together. The numbers of beans that were in that, the pony in Australia, 4,815,162,342. I may have that wrong, but you can correct me if I'm not. Uh, Anyway, I'm loving it. Uh, Can't wait to see as we move forward, start to see all these connections start to come together and i'm excited to hear what you guys thought of these uh, two episodes as well and uh, love the Jin and son story that continued through both episodes we got to see a little bit of uh, of son talking to to kate uh, about what was going on so that was that was really cool i'd love to see how that's gonna i, I want to watch because i didn't really pay attention to that storyline when I originally watched it. So I'm be interested to see that story uh, progress. So talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, he, he went as far as, as far as like in numbers, he, he even named the city that the box when he was in. I didn't even know that. Um, I like it that he said, it's hard to take notes while reading subtitles. <laughs> while reading subtitles. Because, <laughs> Cause it's true. Yeah. Um, it but, really is. You know what I, what I do when I have to podcast on a show and 
may I I think I heard that Jason does this too, uh, not too long ago. Is the first time I watch it, I watch it and I don't take one note. I just enjoy it as a fan. And then I'll watch it the second time. And that's when I feel like I can look down and take notes and press pause and I won't lose the tone or the feeling of the episode if I have to break it up like that. So I, I usually do that too, especially when it comes to the DC podcast that I do, um, because I'm such a fan of like characters like the Flash and Arrow. Uh the first time I watch, I watch purely as a fan because the the episodes are airing for the first time. Um so yeah, I do that. I watch the first time as a fan and then I'll watch again and I'll, I'll take some notes the second time. I, I haven't really necessarily been doing that with Lost only because I've watched this series through so many times that I don't really have to watch it once first as a fan and then watch it again to take notes. I can kind of take notes right off the bat with Lost. Oh. Well, I like to I like to just watch I, I do the same thing with Game of Thrones. I just I watch it as a fan. Then I watch for notes and then I go and I do some research and I tidy up my notes and then I get my uh, top three or top five, whatever. And then I'm pretty much ready after that. Okay. No, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Um, I like that Steve even went and as to naming. The billions of beans. How <laughs> big is that jar? <laughs> I Well, yeah, I don't know if it was a jar. I think Steven maybe even mentioned something we missed that it was like a horse. Or a pony, something like that, like a, like a, that was filled with that many jelly beans. But even still, that's a lot of freaking jelly beans to yeah, I, to fit you know, into any okay. kind of a vessel. I would like to know exactly how much space that would take up. And I'm not a mathematician. I don't do the sexy math. I was going to so, say, let's just reach out to Ben Stone. He might be I, able to figure it out. Maybe Ben Stone can tell me with, with the sexy math <laughs> on what exactly. <laughs> Kind of what 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 kind of vessel I need for uh, the sexy bean math? Yeah. So <laughs> how how large of a vessel we would need? Prince for something Charming, like that. if you could do me a favor and uh, do the sexy Prince Charming bean math, that would be great. Sexy Prince Charming bean math. Yes, I brought oh, it all together. <laughs> I'm writing. I'll, I'm going to write a book, and that's what I'm going to call it. It's going to be the name of Josh Dallas's autobiography. <laughs> sexy Prince, Char- Prince Charming. Prince Charming sexy, sexy bean math. math. <laughs> in in um in Asgard. There we go. Got it all. What does what does Asgard have to do with it? He was in Oh, he Thor, was in Thor. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that took me a second. I'm sorry. And you call yourself a Marvel fan. I don't follow Prince Charming as much as everybody <laughs> as much as somebody else does. I think I think we have one more voicemail. Uh we By do. By the way, since Steve is always doing um our our voicemails. I think that with this should just be called Steve says. <laughs> well, you know what? If that, if as long as it's just Steve leaving the voicemails, that's fine. But I, I would like voicemails from other listeners. Yeah, me too. But so, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, but we do. He did leave us another voicemail, and neither one of us has actually listened to this one yet. So he named it unclaimed baggage. I'm assuming it's having to do with manifest. We could be totally wrong, and he's going off on some psychotic rant. Ooh, but, let's see. <laughs> let's find let's out. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's, let's play that voicemail now. Hi, Ben and Christian. It's Steve. And just had a quick thought for your manifest minutes. Loved seeing Daniel Sanjata. I haven't seen him in, in a long time. So that was great. Uh, even if it's just brief cameo. And I've been waiting ever since they had this theory that 
Grace was with someone else. I've been waiting for evidence of that. Like she's got to be there somewhere, pictures or anything. And I don't think they were married because her last name didn't change because she got the letter from the insurance company was addressed to Grace Stone. And I didn't notice the 828 in this episode, but maybe it was there. And that's it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. That's so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I didn't check the numbers on Bethany's house. Oh, I didn't think about that either. It was too late. I didn't look at that either. I didn't really pay attention to see if the numbers appeared. So that's a good point. It wasn't until I saw that there were numbers on Bethany's house that there might be an 828. Um, I'm sure there's a Reddit thread covering that if we were to go and look. I just try to stay away from stuff like that, though. I do, too. I'm just going to use this as as an opportunity to go back and rewatch the episode. I'm going to have to rewatch because my happy news is that my husband just came home last night. Yay! I'm excited. He's been gone for seven months. So um, he's got a lot of TV to catch up on. And (laughs) I told him, I said, we have to watch Manifest. And he's like, well, what is it? I'm like, it's great. Don't worry. (laughs) It's it's something you'll like. Just watch it. Yeah, just watch it, okay? (laughs) Trust your wife for once. Um. I was going to say, oh, the unclaimed baggage, I think we can all agree, also was uh, um, Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. He, he, which we, we do find out he's a stowaway on the on the plane. At first, I was like, oh, there's fingerprints outside the plane? And then I go, oh, okay, that, that actually got explained pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? And that is something that I'm, I'm starting to see, too, is uh, the big overall as to what happened to them is still a mystery, but... Like we did find out there was the shadowy figure behind the the one character that was killed off, and that was explained in the next episode. The fingertip, the fingerprints outside of the plane has already been explained. So some of the stuff is actually getting explained relatively quickly. It's nice that the mystery always it stays the same, and I think yes. that that's oh, oh somewhere that Lost probably got a little uh, foggy with is that they just had so many mysteries that it it just became like one on top of another. Whereas manifest is like, we have this one mystery and it's a big one. So we're going to stick to this mystery because there's a lot of facets to this one mystery, uh, which I think makes for um, a tighter uh, concept of a show. Well, but also at the same time, let's not get that lost was still that way in the first season too. And we're still in the first season of manifest. So that could change. Oh, right. Yeah. So, fair, fair point. But we'll see. So far, it's it's been highly enjoyable, and there's I'm, no polar bears in New York. That's well, they're in the zoo. There's no polar bears in the show. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we had to reiterate. There's that 828 one. polar bears. Yeah. Uh, but Steve, thank you again for for the voicemail and the unclaimed baggage not being a psychotic episode, which I was hoping it wasn't. Yay! So, uh, but. There are ways, and we do encourage you to leave us uh, feedback for any of the episodes that we review and, of course, uh, for Manifest now at the same time. And there are multiple ways that you can do that. The first is that we are on Facebook, so you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lostrevisited. We're on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. 
And if you want to leave a message, you can record it yourself and you can send it to our email address or you can send it to Facebook Messenger as well. If you know our phone numbers, send it to our phones. <laughs> We're not giving that out. You have to know us personally in order to get them. So, uh, but last but not least, we made mention to House Podcast, which is the other podcast that Kristen is on. Uh, I made in slight remarks to the, the DC podcast that I do, DC Primetime. So, of course, we encourage you to check out those podcasts as well as all the other podcasts on both the Next Level and Podcastica Podcast Networks. And I said it before, I say it again. I'm so excited that you're finally back with House Podcastica because the show's coming back some at some point next year game of thrones yes. we don't know first, when yet first half of the year they promise in the first half of the year so you we'll, know we'll it could mean is. june <laughs> could mean january right yeah so uh the rewatch is still gonna happen and uh we're also thinking about doing some extra episodes with uh character dissections and uh maybe top five warriors or you know best deaths stuff like that so we've got a pretty good list going on at house podcastica on our fa facebook page uh facebook.com forward slash house podcastica it's really fun um you know the, the the show after our hiatus i think that we've added a lot of really fun elements to it we've got some new some new music and some new terminology and um you know i always have a fun guest on there ben you're gonna be there in a couple of weeks um so yeah uh our next episode is the purple wedding so anybody that is familiar with uh game of thrones will know that that's a pretty fantastic episode yeah and i know um uh, uh, your website, housepodcastica.com, is going to be up soon because I'm working on that for Jason. Yay, thank you. So I appreciate hopefully it. within the next week or so, that'll be up and running and another place for you where like one centralized location where you can go to find like all the links to find House Podcastica mm -hmm. on like Apple and Google and Spotify and all those places. Stitcher, so, we're on Stitcher. Yep. Yeah. I have all the links to all that stuff. They'll all be cool. all right. And, thank you. Yep. And you've got another there. podcast on your network, uh, which a good friend of us of ours has it's uh mark's podcast right panels I'm, to pixels I'm so you brought that up because i actually wanted to this week yeah good. Uh, our good friend mark uh, mark kirkman has a podcast with indeed steve uh steve brown who leaves us all the voicemails each week he does that he does that podcast with mark so of course steve leaves us voicemails for this every week so we want to show them a little love too called panels to pixels it's on the next level podcast network next level radio online.com is where you can find all the links to that it's on google it's on iTunes and they're currently they're hitting up the uh, the Marvel Universe on Netflix so they've already done Luke Cage and they're currently into Jessica Jones so it's um, and they're two great guys they do and they have a lot I, I listen to I try to listen to all the podcasts on my network as much as possible um, not because I'm monitoring what they do just because I enjoy listening to the content that we have and it's always you have to admit that panels to pixels is probably the best title for a podcast it's so great i love the title of that podcast yeah and i think that's all i don't know if it was mark or steve that came up with that or they came up with that together um but yeah so actually i, I stand corrected they did uh punisher season one already they're they did uh they're in the process i have all the episodes for jessica jones it's, they're just being spread out and they're currently doing luke cage so uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great guest. I highly recommend that one as well. And that's part Good. of the next level. 
Great. So as far as DC, where all the shows are now currently coming back for their new seasons, Flash is uh, two episodes in, Arrow just debuted, Legends of Tomorrow debuts next week. So we're... Uh, we're, you be busy. Yeah, we're full force, man, when it comes to DC. So we're having a lot of fun with that, too. And that's DC primetime for anybody who out there who uh, might be a fan of the DC Arrowverse shows. So. I might listen to it, even though I'm not a DC fan, just because I like your podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, you should listen to the spotlight, too, since that's the interview one. I know I should. I should. I should. I should listen to a lot of things that I don't oh, listen to. Do you right know? Now. I have so many friends who have so many podcasts that it's almost impossible to listen to them all. But I try. I try my best. Even if I only get through like half of an episode before I got to move on to something else, I, I at least, um, you know, because even when it comes to podcastica with, you know, Walking Dead back, I love the Walking Dead cast that Jason does. And I try to listen to it every week. I don't always mm-hmm. get to. Sometimes I'll get through about half of it. And then, mm-hmm. I, like, I still to this day don't know if my name has ever been part of the shout out at the end or not. Because oh, well. half the time I never make it to the end. I make it close, but I don't make it all the way to the end because <laughs> I have to move on to something else. But, uh, you know, the well, tri- for- I was just going to say the trials and tribulations of managing a podcast network. Yeah, I get it. Well, uh, as a last note, before we sign off, for anybody that is still listening, um, I would just like to do what other Podcastica hosts are doing on the Podcastica network, and I'm going to start doing it on mine. Um, And that is to encourage anybody who's out there that um, if you haven't before, I would like you to please vote. Yes. Um, Election Day is coming. And make your voice be heard. It's time for us to actually vote and have a say in what happens in our country. And I don't care how you vote. I just want you to vote. Um, because as long as we vote, we are still a democracy and we are still uh, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And I truly 100% believe in of the people, by the people, for the people. And the only way to continue that is for us to vote on election day. Get off your butt, take a free Uber, take a free Lyft, walk, ride your bike, rollerblade. I don't care. Absentee, I don't care how you do it. Just vote. So thank you very much for your attention. I understand that you know, that's kind of maybe considered political, but I just want to let you know, it's very important to us. Um, I know it's important to Ben and I, it's important to, uh, I know the podcastica podcasters, please just go out, make your voice be heard and vote on November 6th. No, I agree with that completely. And again, like I I reciprocate your point of that, like, I know how I'm going to vote. You know how you're going to vote. We know how each other is going to vote. We don't need to know how you're going to vote. It's just the fact that you do. Yep. And that's that's the most important part. People yes. need to go out there. They need to make their voices heard. And that's the best way to do it. And yes. we've even had a conversation about this before. And forgive me if you brought this up and what you were just talking about. But um, if you have to, if you absolutely have to do it via absentee ballot, that's that's perfectly acceptable because at least you're voting. Uh, if you don't have to be absentee ballot if you have the time if you have the means to make it to the polls don't be lazy don't do an absentee ballot actually go out and physically vote that's yes. the only other point i'm gonna get make. your sticker yes go out and get your sticker post it on facebook and make it known that you let your voice be heard yes so yep i agree, I agree. Okay. Uh, yeah i agree with us <laughs> yes but uh with that being said that's going to wrap it up for this week next week we're going to talk about episode 18 of lost uh titled deuce ex machina which uh i don't remember 
who's uh it is the Harry Potter episode. I will say that. So I, I knew I wasn't far, I knew I wasn't far off. Um no, I don't think it is. I think it might be a boon episode, actually. Okay. Uh because of what is found. Okay. So I don't know. We'll find out next week. Yes, because I don't have it up on my iPad right now. <laughs> Uh, But until then, we will see you guys further down the rabbit hole. Take care. Bye. Everybody with me, drinks on me. Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with? This my line, everybody with me. Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with? Everybody with me, drinks on me. Hey, y'all, who you came with? Who you leaving with? This my line, everybody with me.